Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. If uh, I haven't met you before, my name's Luke, and it's uh, lovely to be able to be with you this evening. Uh, Jill mentioned, just to clarify, Jill said earlier that uh, I, I loved the story of Hosea. Let me just clarify that I find it a very hard story to hear, and the story of Hosea and Gomer, as I was preparing this sermon, brought tears to my eyes numerous times, imagining myself in that story. So, coming to love this passage has been a journey. (laughs) But I hope that by the end of our time together, you might also uh, love what God's Word has to say to us in the book of Hosea. Hosea is an incredible book of the Bible, uh, and it's often regarded as being one of the most poetic books of the the prophets, one of the most poetic prophets, prophets' books. And if we uh, sit with the text for a while, the weight of Hosea's broken family life is confronting and moving. And and this text, it's not meant to be comfortable. It's meant to make us feel something, to feel things. Because in Hosea, we find the words of a broken-hearted God being spoken through a broken-hearted prophet. And I want to acknowledge that this sermon could today could trigger various emotions and, and thoughts for you. And I, I'd like to just remind you that if after this sermon you'd like to chat, I, I'm always happy to have a chat here or over a coffee during the week. So come and see me if you'd like to, to do that. And I'm sure the leadership team here would be happy to do likewise. But let's pray as we come to God's Word. Lord God, there are things in your word that are hard for us to hear, and this story is in, in, in some ways like that. Uh, it, it is a painful and tragic story in many ways, but Lord, it is also a story full of hope. And Lord, we pray as we come to your word, we thank you for your promise that you are present with us now, that your spirit is at work speaking to us moulding our hearts, softening our hearts to be made more into the likeness of our Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would be at work doing that in our midst tonight. Amen. So C.S. Lewis once wrote this about God. And you need to read this understanding. It was with tongue-in-cheek that he wrote this. An impersonal God, well and good, a subjective God of beauty, truth and goodness inside our own heads, better still. A formless life force surging through us, a vast power which we can tap, best of all. But God himself, alive, pulling at the other end of the cord, perhaps approaching at an infinite speed, the hunter, King, husband, 
well, that's quite another matter. You see, an impersonal God is safe. An impersonal God can simply exist as an idea in our heads, discarded to the realm of the intellect. But a God who is alive, relational and passionate, a God whose heart can be broken and also swell with delight, a God who speaks and listens and responds to our thoughts and words and actions, well, that's both scary and wonderful because such a God can't be relegated to the intellect or tucked away in a neat box. Such a God feels and moves and is intent on being known. Hosea's God is like this. In the pages of Hosea's poetic prophecy, God is presented in deeply relational terms. As you look through the book, he's the lovingly faithful husband who pursues his unfaithful wife relentlessly, even to his own shame. He's a lavish father who presses his cheek lovingly against the face of his dear children. He's the jealous roaring lion and the gentle morning dew. He is the hunter, husband and father tied to us in love. But to really understand the book of Hosea and its message, we need to step through the door of Hosea's family home past the cracking mud doorway and into the dim light where a father sits alone with his three children. Hosea's life of prophecy begins with God telling him to marry a woman named Goma. And Goma is described as a woman of harlotry or a woman who has had many lovers. And we don't know exactly what that meant, Perhaps she was a prostitute. Perhaps she was a promiscuous person. But the point is that God commands Hosea to marry a woman who was notorious for her unfaithfulness as a sign to Israel of their own unfaithfulness. And Israel had always been an adulterous nation. At various points in Scripture, we're encouraged to view that the Mount Sinai moment as a kind of wedding festival between God and his people where loving covenant promises are made to one another. It's the moment where the law is given and God says to Israel, you will be my people and I will be your God. It's the moment that God binds himself to Israel as his beloved household. But at that wedding feast, Moses descends from the mountain to find the people engrossed in shameful activity as they worship this golden calf that they've created for themselves. And the image we get is of Israel being caught red-handed, if you like, in the bed of another lover on their wedding night. It's tragic and shameful and heartbreaking. But Israel's adultery continued over the centuries as they turned to other nations for help, forming alliances and worshipping their gods. And things, at the point when Hosea is writing, things have sunk so low for northern Israel 
that they're now in bed with the brutally violent nation of Assyria and they've established these two giant calf idols, one at the northern end and one at the southern end of the kingdom as the centrepiece of their worship. Israel is turning from one lover to another in an attempt to find hope and help and salvation when all along their loving husband is calling for them to come back home. But it's not just Gomer who represents Israel in Hosea's story. It's his children too and the tragic names that they're given. And so Hosea's eldest son was named Jezreel. Now Jezreel is the name of a valley of Galilee in Israel that still goes by that name today. And throughout history it's been a really important strategic location that nations have fought over. Israel suffered many defeats there and it became renowned as a place of God's judgment and notorious as a place of bloodshed. When an Israelite heard the word Jezreel, their minds would have immediately gone to armies and war and battle and bloodshed. They would have each had stories of ancestors who had fought and died in battle there. Jezreel was not a name you gave to your children. It was a word that conjured painful, bitter memories. But the people needed to hear the word Jezreel because God's judgment was coming on them. The consequences of their adultery was about to be felt as the Assyrians who they'd put their hope in turned on them and brought bloodshed on the nation. But if Jezreel was an unpleasant name, what about Hosea's daughter, Lo Ruhamah. In Hebrew, the, the low part of the word there is the part that means not or no. So if you take the low away, it would actually become a positive term. And so Lo Ruhamah literally means no mercy. Now, I, I think we're meant to imagine Hosea giving his daughter that name, fighting back tears. Just as we're to imagine God's heart breaking as he says to Israel, I'm withdrawing my loving protection from you. But after centuries of fleeing from God and chasing other lovers, God is letting them go. He's not going to protect them from their own actions or the enemies around them any longer. He's withdrawing his loving hand from them for a time and giving them over to the nations and idols they have loved in place of him. But Jezreel and Lo-Ruhamah are not as tragic as the name of Hosea's youngest child, Lo-Ami. Lo-Ami means not my people. And the tragedy of that name is that Israel, in their endless pursuit of other gods, is left fatherless and homeless. The covenant promises made between Israel and God that he would be their God and they would be his people are ripped in shreds, it seems. The marriage certificate has been torn up. The family home has been abandoned. 
The children have scattered and taken the family belongings. God's household lies in ruins despite his faithfulness because of the idolatry of his children and his bride. Next slide. Anne, thanks. That's a pretty disheartening picture. If Hosea's household reflects God's household, then it's a deeply dysfunctional household. It looks like God's household is in ruins. It seems like the loving father has turned his back on his family. Judgment. No mercy. Not my people. But there's a couple of things we need to understand. Firstly, God is heartbroken by these judgments. And I want you to listen to these words in Hosea chapter 11. If you've got your Bibles, feel free to look at this. It's Hosea chapter 11, verses 3 to 4. And this is God speaking about Israel. He says, It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realise it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and I bent down to feed them. And then in verse 8 of chapter 11, God says this. Listen to the emotion in these words. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Admar? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. Does that sound like a father who takes pleasure in the plight of his children? The love expressed in those words is palpable. You can almost hear the snap as God's heart breaks in those words. But the second thing to notice about this broken household is that God's judgment and withdrawal of loving protection is actually born out of his love for them. He lets them go that one day they might respond to his call and return home. Listen to the words in Hosea chapter 2. This is in verses 14 to 15. Again, God's speaking about Israel. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness, out into the desert, and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards, and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up out of Egypt. Hosea is the story of a God who, with broken heart, lets his family follow their wayward hearts out into the deserty wilderness. But then after calling for a time, puts on his backpack, grabs his walking stick and sets out to bring his loved ones home again. Next slide, Anne. Look with me on this slide at what God promises to do for his household 
in Hosea chapter 2, verses, I'm going to read from, verses, from verse 19. But pay attention, close attention to the words here. I will betroth you to me forever, God says. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge the Lord. In that day I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies and they will respond to the earth and the earth will respond to the grain, the new wine and the olive oil and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Can you see the reversals in that passage? The incredible name reversals taking place there. This is, this is a magnificent and moving passage here. In this one short section of Hosea, all the tragedy and brokenness of Hosea's family is reversed. Jezreel, Lo-Ruhamah and Lo-Ami are redeemed. Goma is redeemed. Love returns to this home. But did you notice the part there about Jezreel? They will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. But Jezreel was Hosea's eldest son. So what's going on there? Jezreel here is being spoken of, is a metaphor for the whole people of Israel. We talked earlier about how Jezreel became known as a valley of bloodshed and judgment. But the word Jezreel in, its, in the original language actually means God sows or God plants. And so not only does God restore his household, but he restores the very name of Jezreel from something horrible and dark back into something beautiful and life-giving. So in that very valley of judgment, no mercy and no people, God is going to plant a new people who are dearly loved. Next slide. One more. But Hosea's story is more than a metaphor for an ancient people and their relationship with their God. Look again at these words from 1 Peter chapter 2, where Peter is writing to Jews and Gentiles, people of all nations who have now come into God's household. And he says, Once you were not a people but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Can you see the language here? Peter's picking up using Hosea. And he's using these promises of Hosea to say, you and I are the redeemed household of God. You and I have been shown lavish love by our Father. You and I have been brought home. 
We have all been Jezreel at some time, Peter says. We have all been low Ruhamah. We have all been low Ami. We have all been Goma. But a great reversal has taken place. God has donned his backpack and walking stick, taken on flesh, and starting in the valley of Jezreel in Galilee, Jesus has come to bring us home. We are the redeemed Jezreel. We are not low Ruhamah, but Ruhamah. We are not low Ami, but Ami. And if you look in Hosea chapter 2, the very first verse has this wonderful promise that one day, God says, God's people will be able to say of your brothers, my people, and of your sisters, my loved one. That there will come a time when God's people can turn to one another and say, Ruhamah. Ami. And that promise is fulfilled here tonight. Because brothers and sisters of God's family are gathered together, we can turn to one another and say, You are loved. You are God's people. We are loved. We are God's people. So I wonder if we might do that. What I'm going to ask uh, is in a moment I'm going to ask you just to stand and turn to one another this half of the room this way this half of the room this way that might be a bit awkward for a moment but then I'm going to ask you who are we and I would like to invite the ladies as in the promises of this verse here to respond with we are Amy." And I would like the men to respond with the words, we are Ruhamah. So would everyone stand and face one another? What a wonderful thing it is that God's promises are fulfilled in our midst tonight. So I'll, one last reminder so you know what to say. Ladies, we are Ami. Men, we are Ruhamah. Who are we? <laughs> Thank you. They're precious words. Moving words, I think. Next slide, thanks, Anne. So if, if the, those words that we just said are true, what might it mean for our lives today if we are the redeemed Jezreel, the new people that God is planting? What might it mean for us to be Ruhamah, for us to be Ami? The book of Hosea in chapter 14 ends with a picture of the redeemed Jezreel as a beautiful vineyard and a fertile field. It says this, I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily. Like a cedar of Lebanon, he will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. 
His splendor will be like an olive tree, his fragrance like a cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell again in his shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. That's a picture of us. We are being made into a fertile place that brings blessing to the world as we are watered and nurtured by the God who is our morning dew. To be the redeemed Jezreel means to be watered by God and to bring shade and fruit to a parched and hungry world. We've seen tonight how God is our loving father and husband, the pursuing God whose heart breaks over his household. He is, in C.S. Lewis' words, pulling at the other end of the cord. This is our loving Father who wants to sit down in the muddy walls of our family home and talk with us. Who sits with us now as we gather together and whispers loving words to us by his Spirit. He wants to hear our pain and our lament, to celebrate our delight and joy, to hold us up to his cheek and press his face against us. Will we sit with the God whose heart can break but also swell with delight? Or will we treat him as that impersonal force we can tap in and out of? Maybe when we sit with God, we don't really know what to say. And sometimes it can be awkward talking to someone we haven't spoken to in a while. But sometimes it's simply good to sit and say, God, I'm here to be with you now. And I don't know what to say, but I love you. And maybe words will come, but maybe they won't. But it's a choice to be watered by God, to treat him as loving father. And that means the world. I'd encourage each of us this week to read through the rest of Hosea and be struck by our personal, intimate God. Listen to his heartache in this book. Listen to his lavish love. Sit with him and be watered by his spirit. But we're also told that we're being made into a tree that brings shade for others to sit under. God is watering us that we might flourish for the good of the whole world. So we're meant to imagine this church family as a beautiful, huge tree house with branches extending outwards. We're meant to imagine ourselves placed in the public square, open for others to taste God's fruit and rest under our shade. How is our tree looking? Is it withered and dry because we aren't being present to the one who waters us? Is it fenced off from the world because we're scared we might be damaged? When I think of a treehouse, I think of a place of rest and play, a place filled with laughter and delight, 
of children imagining wonderful adventures as they gather together and find a place of belonging. A place where the low Amis and the low Ruhamas and the Jezreels of our world can find shelter and love. Our community, our neighbourhood, is filled with people who are lonely and feel the scars of loveless relationships. The elderly widow whose family is far, far away. The teenager who spends each day sitting alone in the playground as a barrage of insults are hurled at them. The parents who are at a loss as, to, as they see their child grow up and derail from poor decisions. The mother facing daily hurt from an abusive relationship. Or the man stuck in a pit of depression who has forgotten how to love or be loved. Some of us here know these experiences all too well. And while the scars of such experiences might never be fully cured, God is offering this tree house to you and to our world as a place where love and belonging can be found. Where the loveless, the homeless and the broken can find healing and receive a new name. Where all who walk in these doors are invited to be Ruhama, to be Ami, to be the new Jezreel. How might we embrace being God's deliciously attractive treehouse to our neighbours who are searching for a home characterised by love? How has this treehouse been a taste of God's love for you? There's a lot to consider here, a lot to pray about, a lot that could have pulled at our hearts tonight. But the incredible message of Hosea is that we are Ruhama. We are Ami. We are the new Jezreel. It's the message of a broken-hearted God who has stopped at nothing to bring us home. I'd like to finish with a section of a poem. And this poem imagines Hosea's family sitting down together, having a conversation many years later. Listen to these words. Jezreel spoke softly for the rest. Father, once more let us be blessed. What were the words from long ago that gave you strength to love us so? Would you please bless us with your rhyme and sing it for us one more time? Think not, my son, that God's great river of love flows simply to the sea. He aims not straight but to deliver the wayward soul like you and me. Follow the current where it goes. With love and grace it ever flows. And children, Gomer said with tears, mark this. The miracle of years. She looked Hosea in the face and said, Hosea, man of grace, dark harlotry was in my blood until your love became a flood. 
cascading over my crude life and kept me as your only wife. I love the very ground you trod, and most of all, I love your God. This is the lamp of candle four, a bride made ready at the door. A shabby slave waits her embrace, blood-bought and beautified by grace. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you have given us a new name. What a wonder it is to be able to say we are your people. You are our loving father. We are Ruhamah. We are Ami. We are the redeemed Jezreel. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. And we pray that we will be struck time and time again by your lavish love as you water us into the treehouse you are making us into. Amen.